Russia gave a hard deadline, demanding the European Union to buy its natural gas with only rubles, and the G7 said no. So what would happen when the deadline of March 31st come? A Russian regiment commander killed himself after seeing a hopeless situation to his tank supplies. So what is going on there? Mariupol is facing its final days with the lives of 160,000 people at stake. And what is the fallout of the Ukrainian war to China and Taiwan, if you are curious? And we'll continue our story of the Wisconsin hearing on the 2020 election. Finally, the Russia made the the finally is the story. Yeah, it's the story of the integrity of the 2020 election. Welcome to Wei and the Kathy Show. I'm your host, Wei Fang. And uh, so today we'll be continuing on with the story of the Wisconsin State Assembly's uh, hearing on the 2020, uh, in integrity of the 2020 election, even though we are 16 months um, over, okay? The hearing is still going on. It's touching a lot of very sensitive issues. But, okay, we will be doing the that part of the program at uh, SafeChat. So for now, please prepare yourself. As uh, halfway, we're going to switch over to SafeChat so that we can... You understand what I mean, all right? So, uh, but, uh, you know, before we start, please remember to press the like and uh, the subscription and making sure the little bell is pressed so that you stay connected with us. And thank you very much. Okay, so before that feature story, we'll be starting with the... The news today, okay, the top news today. So first has to do with uh, Russia. Okay, Russia made the demand last week that the purchase of its natural gas shall be only paid for in rubles, Russian's uh, currency. Otherwise, Russia will not sell the energy product. It is said the starting date would be March 31st, which is like three days ago, three days later, okay. However, the G7 countries announced today that they rejected this demand from Russia and said that the unilateral change violates the terms of the contract for the natural gas purchase. European Union currently imports 40% of its natural gas and 25% of its oil from Russia. And the U.S. has promised to supply 15 billion cubic meter natural gas to the European Union within the year of 2022 to alleviate the European Union's energy pressure after the Ukrainian war um, started. So a, a bit background about the EU or European Union's uh, energy situation. As, let's, let's just take um, Germany as example, okay? So under the um, Germany, the long-term, the four-term uh, Germany Chancellor um, Merkel and uh, her policy, which mainly is uh, green energy, green economy uh, policy. So Germany first closed down, pretty much closed down 80%, 80 to 90% of its nuclear uh, nuclear plants, okay? Currently, there are only three nuclear reactors working, and uh, which provide about 12% to 15% of the electricity in Germany. And, uh, you know, she also closed down basically most of the, it's coal, um, it's a coal um, electric, electricity plant, and then now, and they, the, the country promised to close everything, all the coal, um, the coal mine and the coal power plant by the year 2038, all right? So three years ago, uh, President Trump offered to offer them the liquid natural gas, uh, LNA, 
and as the major um, sub substitute for the Germany's um, energy. But the G German, Germany said no for whatever reason. Okay, the, yeah, the Merkel said no. And instead, they resort to getting the natural gas supply and oil from Russia. At that time, if you remember, if you still remember, President Trump was very mad at that. He's saying that, uh, what are you doing? You're trying to buy your energy, your key energy from your enemy. But the Mer Merkel apparently believed that uh, they can, she can make a friend with Russia. Russia become, can become a good neighbor. Well, until, until now. And uh, with the Ukrainian, Ukraine war, and uh, the European is united against the Russia's invasion. However, what about the energy? That which has become a big problem. As we just said, the demand from the Russia that you have to pay for um, the energy in ruble, okay? The ground for that is because uh, European, and especially Germany, has no other supply of uh, its energy. So that's the problem that Germany faced. You know, the corner is, you know, they have put themselves in. So as you read about that, uh, the U.S. is providing um, 15 billion cubic meters of natural gas within this year. This is the effort that uh, President Biden promised a few days ago, all right? And uh, the demand by Russia apparently aims at uh, strengthening the rubles at the, as a trading currency instead of the U.S. dollars or euros. The demand, if met, will either force the EU to buy rubles with their dollars or euros or buy Russian goods in order to get rubles. Apparently, that's the purpose of the, this uh, uh, policy change by Russia. However, the demand would also subject the EU, uh, European Union, to use a currency that can be inflated by Russia at will. So will Russia get its way? G7 already said no. They're still three days away from the deadline uh, imposed by Russia, and both sides are holding their ground. So. Well, wait for a bit to see the result of this, almost like a game of chicken. All right, and also according, the next piece of news has to do with the Ukraine. According to the Ukrainian intelligence, a Russia tank regiment commander killed himself after finding out 90% of the tanks held in reserve were unusable because parts has been stolen. Well, the dramatic story came from the you know, Ukrainian intelligence, okay? It says that uh, the commander is from the 13th tank regiment within the 4th tank division of the, Russian, of the Russian Federation. The source said that Russia, after seeing so much loss to its tanks in Ukraine, is moving its tanks totally 1,300 from its reserve. However, many tanks lack maintenance, and many of the electronic equipment in the tanks um, that contain the precious metals have been stripped off, stripped for parts, and they're rendering the tanks unusable. The frontline commander killed himself after finding that finding out only one out of ten tanks is more or less serviceable. As of now, um, as of today, Russia has lost uh, eighteen hundred and ninety-one military vehicles, including hundreds of tanks, in its uh, war against uh, Ukraine. And uh, after Russia announced its new strategy of focusing on liberating the Donbas, quote-unquote, okay, its attack of the eastern city of the Mariupol got only intensified. 80% of all the buildings in the city have been de completely destroyed. And the city has no supply of uh, gas, electricity, food, or even water. As of now, 160,000 civilians are trapped in the city. 
Ukraine government said the humanitarian corridors cannot be opened due to the blocking of the surrounding Russian army. All right, several military analysts estimate that Mariupol, a city of uh, 400,000 people before the war, basically it's, it's a medium-sized war, a medium-sized city of the Ukraine could fall any time. All right, with all the story of uh, the Russia-Ukraine war, I, I just want to present to you my analysis of the, uh, its impact on CCP and uh, also on Taiwan, if you care. I think because the, after the war, okay, that would be three implications, and you know, and many of them really have a lot to do with America. Okay, the first implication is that after the war, um, Russia will become well downgraded to a country of um, not much relevance. Okay, at that time, the world, the, the world will see a um, another version of the Cold War between the U.S. and the, and the CCP and the China. I should say CCP to be more precise. The China under the, uh, you know, under the ruling of CCP, and then this will become the main issue of the world. We'll see, and uh, I think our news program will, be, will will receive more attention, okay, and uh, will carry more value when that time comes, okay, and because the world see how you know how China or slash CCP behave during this uh, Russia Ukrainian Ukraine war, and uh, China is trying to place both party. But still, it's, it's like a, it's, it's a neutral, it's a neutral position. Neutral, it's, it's called a, the full name is called a pro-Russian neutral position, and everybody sees that, all right. And this is the first uh, uh, implication or consequence, the, the, the fallout of the, the war. And the second is the you know the, the threat to Xi Jinping's position. Okay, uh, Xi Jinping is seeking to a. Um, another five years, and now seeing no end in his uh, serving as the the party's head, and after this uh, the twentieth party's assembly, which would be happening nearly around November, okay, and then if he succeeds, he will basically continue hold the hold the reign of the, of China, just like just like uh, um, Putin did since uh, has been doing since uh, early uh, two thousand, so. Not just China, okay. The CCP would be seeing that. Uh, do we have another another version of Putin in China with Xi Jinping? So, but Xi Jinping have no way to back off, okay. And he has uh, how to say jailed or purged so many CCP officials. He really have no way to back out. He has to hold on. Has to hold his ground. He have to get that get that uh, you know get us uh, the next term. And then a lot of people don't like that. So there will be a, a fire fight in party fight. And even it could spill into very big issues. In the, in, in you know in, in America in the Western terms we said a, a house a divided house cannot stand. This is pretty much what the CCP is facing in the remainder of the year, due to the war of the Russia and the Ukraine. So the third one is Taiwan. Taiwan pretty, uh, learned very precisely from this uh, Russia Ukraine war that a country who want to save itself got saved by the world. Okay, Taiwan has never been so bold and uh, confident in safeguarding itself. It always expect the U.S. will run to its aid. Well, boot on the ground, meaning that. But uh, through this, Russia learned from Ukrainians that they need to really fight for itself, and the world will come to the aid, not just U.S. So this is the, uh, one major change to, to the Taiwan, and then which would, 
you know, prevent the CCP taking an aggressive position at this time. At least it would delay that. So you can see, first, after the war, um, China and the um, um, US, the conflict will become the main issue of the world. And the second is Xi Jinping will face a very uncertain future. And if he fall or if he win by purging another like 60% of the party officials, either way, it's a big deal. Okay, well, and it will just plant a lot of instability into the party. The third is Taiwan will become more confident and more self-reliant and, yeah, and more assertive. That's what we see. Okay, so, so that's that. The next thing we'll be talking about is the, okay, the, the feature story, as you remember, that the last uh, Friday, Kathy was here, and uh, she gave you the story of uh, behind the um, Wisconsin State Assembly hearing on the integrity of the 2022, um, I'm sorry, 2020 presidential election. All right, so today is the continuing version of that, and then we yeah, we have to move on, move on for the reason that you know. So now everybody, please follow me. <clears throat> so we'll be moving on to the safe chat. If you have not uh, used the safe chat, now's the chance to download, just search safe chat uh, as the app and in the Google Play or the uh, Apple Store and just get, get that installed. In the meantime, our um, DJ, you can, yeah, please print, uh, please copy and uh, post the safe chat uh, program link and in the chat room so that people can go over there. So, uh, so let's just get over there. And oh, I need to explain that why Kathy's not here because she is working on the feature story. So she will show up at, uh, at the safe chat site. So let's move over there together, okay? Let's say, okay, one, two, three. Let's go. All right, hello everyone. Yeah, this is uh, Wei Fang from the Safe Chat site. And uh, so we continue with the rest of the, our program, which has to do with the, uh, the, the story behind the Wisconsin uh, State Assembly hearing on the integrity of the 2020 election. Okay, we all understand it's a 16 or 17 months later, later, but it showed the issue has not arrested at all. And Wisconsin is the, you know, the most recent state that's making move here. So last Friday we gave you a story of a of a guest, and uh, he's it's basically a citizen, right? Now is Kathy is Kathy ready here? Almost. Okay, Kathy's still making preparation, as you know. She she she's, she's not resting. She's just uh, making herself ready and making the material ready. Okay, so Kathy, I should say welcome to the show, huh? <laughs> it's just yeah. a few minutes late. All right, let's let's you know share with our audience what's the story. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, Last Friday, we uh, present to you uh, what happened during the um, Wisconsin Committee on Campaigns and Elections hearing on March 24th. So um, on that, just to recap a little bit, on that day, True the Voter, which is an election integrity group, presented uh, evidence of uh, what they called organized ballot trafficking involving drawbox and the ballot harvesting harvesting using the method they use is uh, involves the uh, cell phone ping data so two representatives from to the voter presented you know the facts and the evidence that they have 
which one is the co-founder of uh, True the Vote, uh, Catherine Engelbert, and uh, another person is uh, Greg Phillips, uh, which is the contractor they hired to do you know the technical job. During the hearing, there's a third person, and which is the last person who testified, is his attorney. Call, uh, he is a, a lawyer. Uh, his name is uh, James Bob, which the media, you know, I was told by um, uh, Jefferson Davis, who I interviewed. All the media, the second day, um, the next day after the hearing, they reported the headline of that hearing is all about this lawyer. And uh, the media portrayed him as the uh, person who represents former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman. Um, and or they would say he's a representative, he's a representing lawyer for True the Voter. So why this lawyer's uh, story important? Mm -hmm. I think uh, after you listen to what uh, Jefferson Davis, the interviewee from uh, last Friday, what he the, he explained story, you probably will get an idea how the media works with with uh, you know different parts um, during this um, election controversy, mm -hmm. which can reflect people can reflect uh, to what happened during twenty twenty election. But it is uh, I think a story worth uh, knowing because it's after. The election, right? And it's been one and a half years later uh, when they people saw how Wisconsin and the voters they are making such an effort and a progress in trying to uh, restore the election integrity. But still, you know, the media and the other parties are still working very hard. And also, it's it's a you know, not only the, well, I'll pre first present you the story, the lawyer story, and then there will be more about um, just going, you know, reviewing what in Wisconsin, Jefferson Davis will, you know, tell us about exactly what kind of um, evidence they found, like especially some of the emails between the Zuckerberg-funded nonprofit and with the city officials, mm -hmm. basically, how they work together, and uh, so and the other things, and the eventually how they, as a coalition of citizens and the voters, are working together uh, with some of the legislatures making such a progress as this far. So it's a pretty, you know, I think you would uh, you know still enjoy this uh, second part of the interview as you did last Friday. All right, so in order to tell this uh, lawyer story, I have to, um, for people who are outside of uh, Wisconsin, or for those who may not following uh, what's happening with Wisconsin election integrity, um, may not know this, but uh, I have to, so I will give you a little bit introduction of uh, this person because all the media, why the media all portray this lawyer who testified at the hearing as uh, representing former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman. Okay, so Michael Gableman is a former 
um, Justice of the Supreme Court in Wisconsin. He is actually the investigator leading the Wisconsin Assembly's review of the 2020 uh, presidential election. And uh, so he and his team he released a second interim investigative report on March 1st also testified before the Assembly Committee on the Election and the Campaign. And the Justice Gableman suggested the legislators ought to take a very hard look at decertifying the election. He also said private grants used to run the election constituted election bribery and called on lawmakers to eliminate and dismantle the Wisconsin Election Commission. So that's a very serious charge. And uh, his findings and his report, you know, just uh, as you can imagine, for people who do believe there is an election fraud, uh, the impact of it, right? So the lawyer uh, or the media just uh, suggested that uh, this lawyer who testified at the March 24th hearing represent, uh, represents Justice um, uh, Gableman. But uh, Jefferson Davis said that this lawyer was added as a speaker for the hearing at the very last minute. And I looked at the um, kind of the press release that, um, uh, that, it, that it was sent by the assembly. There, there were only two, um, two speakers. For, uh, which who are from the true the voters and also what you see on the screen right now is how this lawyer Bob uh, James Bob he stated that he indeed although he is a general counsel of true the voters but he was only testifying as a first amendment law practitioners okay so but then why he is there and why the media all just the focus is on reporting what he said. Well, we found out later that the attorney contacted Representative Branchen's office to be asked to be on the agenda. And it was a last minute addition. And so we listened to the attorney and the attorney started saying things when he answered one of the questions from one of the legislators that had absolutely nothing to do with the cell phone ping data and the video footage of these 138 mules. And here's what the attorney said. I do not believe that the election results from November of 2020 can be decertified and declare someone else the winner. And then we all started looking at each other in the room going, oh boy. And then this attorney who purported himself to be an attorney for Justice Gableman, that became the headline. And here's what we found out. This attorney in his opening statement said, I have worked on some cases with True the Vote. He said, I've also represented Justice Gableman on another matter. The press and the media here in Wisconsin went crazy and that was their headline. Every single newspaper, every single TV station, every single website, everyone, they all collectively 
had the same headline. Gableman attorney says decertification not possible. And we're all like, ah, now it makes sense why he was there. Because he was not there to represent True the Vote. He was not there to represent Justice Gableman. The only thing that he has done with the Office of Special Counsel to investigate the election fraud here in Wisconsin is he's helping them with an open records request. And we're like, okay, who, who got him here? Why is he here? And he said in his opening comments, and this is very interesting, Kathy, the task that I've been assigned is to bring tie together the legal issues with the administration of the election in 2020. And we thought, okay, we're willing to listen. But then when he went off script and at the very end of his presentation said, you can't decertify the election results, then we knew why he was there. And he was there, Kathy, for this reason and this reason only. A week ago Wednesday, a group of us got together in a private meeting with the Speaker of the Assembly, Robin Voss. We brought in national election integrity experts and constitutional lawyers, and we presented in a closed meeting at the Speaker's request. No press, no media, no recordings. We had a private meeting, supposed to go an hour, it went for almost two hours. And the Speaker was very gracious, he was very engaging, asked lots of questions, and the Speaker's office oversees Justice Gableman's investigation of the election fraud. So he calls all the shots for that. So after our meeting, for the first time in 18 months, a year and a half, the speaker finally said publicly, he went from here saying there is no election fraud, there is no election fraud, there is no election fraud, to here where he said there's evidence of widespread election fraud and there's more data coming in. So since that happened last Wednesday, March 16th, we were not aware of this. The Speaker of the Assembly here in Wisconsin took a lot of heat, and we mean a lot of heat for making that public statement because he totally went from no election fraud to widespread election fraud with more data coming in. Because of the heat, we believe, we don't have this on first-hand knowledge, but we think we're going to be able to find out that someone, and we're going to find out, got that attorney there to say that very statement at the very end of his presentation, and he purports himself to be a constitutional attorney on elections, campaign uh, finance, you name it, he purports himself to be a professional in those areas. And when he said those statements, we all started looking at each other in that room going, now we know why he's here. And Kathy, that was the headline. As I said, every TV, every radio news broadcast, every newspaper, the same thing. Did the, any never... report uh, besides the headline of this lawyer include the information that True the Voters presented yesterday? Not not one coverage except a national website called the Gateway Pundit. They are the only ones, Kathy, that covered this. And shame on the press and media here in Wisconsin. 
and we all those numbers that I've given you over the last 45 minutes, you know, all of those numbers, the strategy, the plan, the emails with the Zuckerberg, all of that, not one word from any newspaper, TV, or radio cast talked about any of that fraud. All they talked about was you cannot decertify the election. So Jefferson said that this type of practice actually is not the first time. And so um, at this point, um, you know, I think it's good that uh, we just kind of uh, kind of uh, step back and have um, Jefferson to tell us about the Wisconsin story of how they, you know, find out the evidences of the possible um, election fraud and uh, and those are the really you know the 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 emails which are the facts so uh, first uh, let's um, have Jefferson to tell us what happened after the 2020 election in Wisconsin you'll see the maps behind me um, two of those maps represent what voting machines are in each of the 72 counties here in Wisconsin. And then the other map with the red, blue, and yellow dots represents the county Republican parties that want a full forensic, physical, and cyber audit. Immediately after the November 3rd election of 2020, people that had any knowledge or perception or understanding of how elections work got busy and that from a legislative standpoint, from a citizen standpoint, something wasn't making sense, Kathy, because all of the polling that we had here in Wisconsin, President Trump was going to win in a landslide. And when we found out election night at four o'clock in the morning, after 170,000 votes just mysteriously appeared out of nowhere for Joe Biden, we're like, okay, this does not make sense. So the legislators and citizens immediately went into action and started to work. So in December, before our electors for the Electoral College votes, Wisconsin has 10 of them, before they were approved, there were some legislative hearings in the Assembly and the Senate. And citizens from all over the state of Wisconsin came and provided testimony for what they felt was election fraud. Now. That was just a few weeks, Kathy, after the election. Fast forward to yesterday. Now we are 16 months after the election. We have been able to assemble mountains of evidence about the election fraud here in Wisconsin. And I'll fill in the gaps between November of 2020 and March 24th of 2022 as we go along in this conversation. But the crescendo yesterday was when a True the Vote nonprofit election integrity group came to Wisconsin with their, their executive director, Catherine Engelbrecht, and her top assistant, Greg Phillips. Wonderful people, really, really smart people, and a wonderful nonprofit organization that's trying to save our elections here in America. And yesterday's focus and attention was in Wisconsin. So, um Jefferson, if you remember from last interview, he explained how they uh, believe there was uh, the seven-point plan, uh, and one of them is the mass mailing of absentee ballot request. So I asked Jefferson to explain why and how this is fraudulent. We know that out of the, 
the 3.3 million people, 3.3 million out of 3.5 million, according to the Wisconsin Election Commission, supposedly voted in the November 3rd, 2020 election in Wisconsin. Kathy, I'll do the math for you. That's a statewide 94% turnout of the legal registered eligible voters, 94% of them supposedly voted. Now we know that's not true, but we have to prove that. Of that 3.3 million, supposedly 2 million of them voted early. Now there's three qualifications for voting early in Wisconsin. One, you walk into your local clerk's office and vote early in person. That's considered an absentee ballot. Two, you request an absentee ballot. You fill it out, sign it, put your address on there, have a witness, send it back in. Or also in the second category is there were absentee ballot requests sent out to the whole state, whether you requested one or not, they flooded the zone. And I can tell you right now that 86,000 of those were never returned. They're still floating around out there somewhere in Wisconsin. And then the third component of the early voting were these ballot drop boxes, where the clerk's office had to send two people every day to the ballot drop boxes in their community, then bring those ballots back in the envelope and record them at the clerk's office. So when you look at the early voting in person, absentee, when you look at the mailed absentee ballots that were returned, number two, and then you look at the ballot drop boxes, number three, you put all three of those together and the Wisconsin Election Commission says two million of the 3.3 million voted that way. But what's interesting in their report, Kathy, is they do not say, the Wisconsin Election Commission does not say how many of them were from the ballot drop boxes. What we heard yesterday was we can document that at least 140,000 statewide were from the ballot drop boxes because we have the cell phone ping data that matches to the exact moment that those ballots were dropped in the envelope in that ballot drop box. We can say that unequivocally without question that that happened in Wisconsin. And uh, with the million absentee ballots, you know, what's the problem on there? Uh, Jefferson explained, I think a lot of people knows, for those type of um, mailing ballots, you need signature on the envelope, which could be, um, you know, would be able to match the record at uh, the government agency, right? And then in Wisconsin, they also need a witness, but what they found is very problematic. So as these ballots are coming back in in the envelopes, we found statewide that thousands and thousands and thousands of them did not have a witness, did not have a signature. They just came back to the clerk's office and the clerk's office with the Zuckerberg big tech billionaire baby helpers said, we will show you how to cure those ballots in those envelopes. And this is so astonishing. Normally in the Wisconsin elections, in a gubernatorial race, a United States Senate race, or a presidential race, normally we have a two 
to 3% rejection rate. So 2 to 3% on 3.3 million votes would be somewhere in the 66,000 to 99,000 ballots statewide that were rejected normally. But in the 2020 election, you're not going to believe, Kathy, what I'm going to tell you now. In the 2020 election, of the 2 million people that supposedly voted early, in person, returned an envelope with a ballot in it, or did it at these ballot drop boxes, that percentage went from 2 to 3% down to a minuscule, almost non-detectable 0.002% rejection rate. In other words, of the 2 million ballots statewide, only 4,270 ballots were rejected. Kathy, that does not happen. It has not happened. It is not happening. It will never happen that there's only a 0.002 rejection rate of ballots. The, the, the fraud and the conspiracy to commit the fraud is so wide. It's so deep. And it involves a very narrow group of people that we believe the legislature here in Wisconsin has absolutely no choice whatsoever but to call an extraordinary session and deal with this. So uh, the Zuckerberg-funded big tech um, nonprofit group, a lot of people know it's called the Center for Tech and the Civic Life. And uh, during the 2020 presidential election, this um, center received $350 million from uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his wife's foundation. And uh, the, what they said is to help local election office, office administ administered elections. And uh, for, for uh, Wisconsin, as Jefferson said, they got $10.3 10 million from that. Uh, funding. So uh, Jefferson and uh, his uh, coalition believe that the same groups of people already started the same scheme for the 2022 election. Because we already have evidence, Kathy, where the big tech billionaires have parachuted back into Wisconsin in 2022 they are doing the same exact things in 2022 that they did in 2020. And what we presented yesterday at the press conference, where two nonprofit groups have already started their texting, their landline phone calls, their cell phone voicemail messages, their postcards in the mail, and their emails, they said, oh my gosh, we want you to request an absentee ballot. We want to send you an absentee ballot so it's safe, it's secure, you don't have to go outside your home. We showed examples yesterday, Kathy, where two nonprofit groups, the big tech billionaire nonprofit groups, one funded by the Knight Foundation, the other one funded by Tom Steyer, the big tech billionaire hedge fund manager from California who ran for president on the Democrat ticket in 2020. We showed examples yesterday from two of our independent volunteers and researchers from around the state where one of them got a text message from a Wisconsin phone number. We called that phone number during the press conference and we played the message, Kathy, that you get when you call that number. Kathy, 
there is no Susan texting you a message saying, hi, Kathy, I want to send you an absentee ballot. Please text me back and I'll make sure you get one. Kathy, there is no Susan. We called the phone number yesterday. The message that we got during the press conference and we played it for the press and media that were there says, this number is not a working number. Please hang up and consult your local service to see if you dialed it incorrectly. The other one that was sent by a text message, the one was called For Our Future Wisconsin, and the other one's called Turbo Vote. They are already doing it. And uh, Jefferson also pointed out another big problem is with the voter roll. And uh, this, he said, would also affect the 2022 election. Asked all of our state volunteers and our coalition to go to wisvote.com. That's where the 7.2 million names are on there. One of the people that presented yesterday printed out three of their family's deceased members who are still on the voter roll, one of the voter rolls. One of them had passed away in 2010. One of them had passed away and lived, lived in Florida at the time of his death, but was still on the voter rolls of Wisconsin from 2015. And the other family member had just passed away in February of 2022. The point being this, Kathy, if you have 7.2 million names on a voter roll, and there's only 3.5 million of the 7.2 million that are legal, eligible, registered voters, that gives the Democrats 3.7 million names to have for funny votes. What we're saying in Wisconsin is get rid of that voter list, hire a private vendor to recreate it, get rid of the 3.7 extra million, 7 million extra names, make everyone re-register, and then what we want to do, Kathy, the private vendor has to subject themselves to either a biannual or annual audit by an independent auditing firm that comes in to make sure there's no foreign access to this voter roll, that the active, inactive names can't be switched, and then what we want to do is put that before the Wisconsin Assembly Campaign and Elections Committee every six months or every 12 months for an update from the vendor, from the auditor, under the auspices of the Assembly Committee, because in Wisconsin, you are never going to cheat, you're never going to steal, and you will never be allowed to commit election fraud like you did in 2020 ever again. Yeah, so Jefferson, talking about accessing to the voter roll, you mentioned uh, uh, the Zuckerberg's uh, sponsored um, organization to work with the election office. They are able to create a software program. Yeah, tell us about a little bit more about that. Sure. So what happened here in Wisconsin, and the gentleman's name is Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, and two of his assistants, Josh Goldman and Ryan Chu, they parachuted in here. Now remember, Kathy, they had $10.3 million to work with to get these ballot drop boxes, to pay for staff, to buy the 7.2 million names from the Wisconsin Election Commission, to develop this software program where they could, in real time, have access 
down to the ward level in every community throughout the entire state of Wisconsin, down to the ward level to see on a daily basis between October 20th and November 3rd exactly how many people were voting and how they voted. So when that software program of the 10.3 million that Zuckerberg deposited into the Wisconsin Election Commission's bank account, not literally, figuratively, they pulled money out of there to develop this software program. We have the email exchanges between the Zuckerberg babies and the clerks and the communication directors and the mayor's offices and the city attorneys saying, we will work with you. We will do this in real time down to the ward level. We will also be able to help you to cure the ballots to make sure they don't get kicked out. We want them included. So they did that, Kathy, every single day. And they made no apologies about it. They were very open and frank about how they were doing this, but they got caught. So the ten point again. The ten point three billion dollars you said is, is actually uh, deposit to the the government uh, office directly. No, not directly to the Wisconsin Election Commission. I was joking about that, <laughs> but but the cities in Wisconsin, yes. And here's how it broke down, Kathy. You're very perceptive. The five cities: Racine, Kenosha, Madison, Green Bay, and Milwaukee. Kathy, they literally took the money, the 8.8 million out of the 10.3 million, and they deposited it into those communities' bank accounts. Now, here's what the catch was: Hey, we have to make this look like we're working for the whole state of Wisconsin. So rather than just that 8.8 million of the 10.3 million going to those five cities behind me on the map, we needed to show it looked like we were spreading this out all over the whole state. So they took the remaining 2.5 million and gave it to the other 217 communities in Wisconsin under the ruse of this is for COVID. But the five major cities kept 8.8 million, put it in their bank accounts. And then the other 2.5 million were put in the bank accounts of the other 217 communities to help administer the elections. Now, here's how it got so bad, Kathy. Green Bay, which is over my shoulder in Door County, where Lake Michigan comes in, the city of Green Bay. It was so bad there, Kathy, that the clerk, who's a hero, her name is Chris Teske, she resigned her office as clerk. Of the elections in the city of Green Bay, because she became so frustrated that the star of、uh, the Starbucks, the Zuckerbuck people, were coming in and they totally took over her elections. And she said, "I'm not taking the fall for this because when this gets discovered, I'm not going to jail." And she resigned her office. So by Now I think our audience would also be curious about how Jefferson、uh, got involved in this effort and、uh, how Wisconsin. No, here's what they did: they came into Wisconsin and presented themselves as a nonprofit group through get out the vote, stay at home, whatever these fake 501c3 nonprofit groups that they created at the direction of Mark Zuckerberg. They came in here and were supposed to be presenting themselves. As volunteers coming alongside, it's COVID. We know you're all scared. We'll help you. Here's some more startling information: 
the, the Journal Sentinel, which is the, the state's largest newspaper, they were working with those five Wisconsin cities, Racine, Kenosha, Green Bay, Milwaukee, and Madison. The Journal Sentinel newspaper, who is heavily invested from a journalistic standpoint to print these stories, to show that there was this COVID score, uh, scare, to work with the Zuckerberg people, and aren't they wonderful? And these nonprofit groups are just trying to help us because we don't want people to die from They were working with these five cities. We've got the emails in July of 2020 where the Journal Sentinel was sent the press release from the five Wisconsin cities that said, we got the $8.8 million from the Zuckerberg Foundation. Isn't this wonderful? They're going to pay for the ballot drop boxes and some of the printing, and they're going to give us staff to help us. This is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened since the creation of electricity. It got so bad, Kathy, at one point that these five cities sent the press release to the Journal Sentinel. And they said, please review and let us know when you're going to print the story so that we can tell the uh, newspapers, TVs, and radio stations and our community to give this press release. We have the receipt, Kathy, where the clerk in the city of Racine, I believe it is, sent the press release to all of the other five, the five cities and said, do not send this out until 1230 because the Journal Sentinel has to review and approve this press release and then you can send it out 30 minutes from then. To a word, Kathy, the Journal Sentinel and their two reporters just simply copied and pasted the press release, dumped it in their website as, a, as an actual story, hit copied, paste, print, added their names, and sent it out as a news story. And Kathy, we're finding this incestuous relationship with the Zuckerberg people the five Wisconsin cities, the press and the media, it's, it seems like a lot of them are complicit in this and covering up. And to bring this home, Kathy, and I'm sorry to go on so long, but this is the sickest thing you've ever seen in your life, and it can never happen again. To show you how bad it was yesterday, at the hearing, where True the Vote showed just short of 140,000 ballot trafficked votes, there was no coverage in the state of Wisconsin of this at all yesterday. The only coverage they had yesterday, Kathy, and it's every newspaper, every TV station, every website, every podcast, all of them. The headlines were, Gableman's attorney says decertification is impossible. That's not what the hearing was for yesterday, Kathy. The hearing yesterday was to look at the fraudulent evidence of election fraud. So, yeah, so I asked uh, Jefferson how exactly he got involved in, the, in, in you know, this effort and uh, how Wisconsin would be able to make progress in probing the 2020 election fraud and uh, what to be expected next. Well, it, it was by accident, uh, serendipity. Um, Last summer, August of 2021, the former Milwaukee County Sheriff, his name is David Clark, he had a rally on the steps of the Capitol and he saw that nothing was going to happen with the election fraud. There were two legislators, Tim Rantham and Representative Branchen, 
that tried to get out in front of this, that tried to get evidence, that tried to get their email receipts, that tried to do the analysis of the $10.3 million. They tried to do all of this, but they were met with total opposition from the Republicans in the Assembly and the Republicans in the Senate. They wanted to run the clock out, Kathy. So from November of 2020, they wanted to run the clock out until September of 2022, which is the end of the 22-month federal statute that says you have to preserve all receipts, ballots, machines, hard drives, all of that stuff has to be preserved. And we quickly figured out that they were trying to run the clock out. And they were putting band-aids on it and they were dressing it up like, well, we're really doing this and we've got this investigation and we had this recount and we had this analysis. None of it made any sense. So in August of 2021, Sheriff Clark had a rally and some of us who were there and helped out got together afterwards and said, do you really think anything's going to get done or does this need to come back to the people coming alongside the legislators, coming alongside the law enforcement officials and collectively building a coalition statewide that will be a clearinghouse on a daily basis, giving the citizens a voice, some ownership, some input that says what's being done legislatively on a daily basis. What's being done as far as the investigation is concerned, that would be the law enforcement. And then what's being done legally to hold these fraudsters accountable. Now that was August. 2021. So when we got together as a group and said, okay, let's meet with Representative Branchin and Representative Rantham, let them know we're willing to heart to help. They were so appreciative that we're willing to step up and do that. So we immediately built a statewide coalition. We first went to the Republican Party county leadership structure. Then we went to individual Republican Party members. Then we went to church leaders. Then we went to nonprofit groups. Then we went to social media. Then we went to affiliates like True the Vote, the Thomas More Society, the Amistad Project, the Rise Up Wisconsin, the Nations in Actions, you name it. We went to all kinds of affiliates to get as much help, input, direction, purpose, anything we could to help with this. So fast forward from August and September when we built this to where we are today. And we've had many wonderful uh, victories. Um, it's a shame that you have to qualify it like that, but it's true. Election integrity in Wisconsin was almost wiped out by a nuclear bomb called Democrats, big tech billionaires, their attorneys and their operatives. But we're going to take it back. And the victories that we've had along the way is we got Speaker Voss to change from no election fraud to widespread election fraud and more data coming in. We got Justice Gableman to submit an interim report on March 1st where, where he says you need to, re not you need to, but take a close look at reclaiming the electors. Another victory was a gentleman who's doing statewide volunteer canvassing all of the counties, showing how there was massive voter registration fraud where all of these ballots showed up that they shouldn't have. That's another major victory. We had a judge in Waukesha County in January outlaw the illegal ballot drop boxes and ballot harvesting. That was appealed by the Democrats. The only way the Democrats can win in Wisconsin is if they steal, cheat, or go to the courts. And we won. Well, they took him to court and got the appellate court to override. Well, then the Wisconsin Supreme Court took it, and the Wisconsin Supreme Court said, nope, 
these ballot drop boxes are illegal. The ballot harvesting is illegal. You can't do this in the April election, which is just two weeks from now. And they're going to hear the oral argument on April 13th. So that's another major victory. And then we've got two more tsunamis coming. We got the tsunami with Justice Gableman with another report that we hope will come out in the month of May. And then the other tsunami that's coming is we hope to meet with these sheriffs and detectives to start looking at this data from what was presented yesterday to see if we can uh, maybe have some indictments and charge these people with felony election fraud. So there's all kinds of good things happening. That's how I got involved. And it's, it's tiresome. It makes you weary and wears you out. But you know what, Kathy? Only two things matter to us in Wisconsin, and that is elections with integrity. So that's why we're involved. Basically, you are not a political person or activist, right? Well, some, some people would refer to me that way. I just call it common sense. Common sense with compassion. And I don't care what your political party affiliation is. You can be the nastiest person in the world. I don't care what your gender is. Don't care what your socioeconomic status is. Don't care what your race is, your ethnicity, your age could care less. If we don't have the right to vote and know that that vote is going to be recorded the way that we intended it to be, then it's over, Kathy. Forget having elections in Wisconsin. And the same exact thing is going to happen in 2020 that happened in 20, excuse me, in 2022 that happened in 2020 if we don't jump on this immediately and fix this mess now. Yeah, so do you, is your name for your coalition or it's just loosely organized? It's a loose, yeah, it's a loosely formed group. We're called the Ad Hoc Committee for Full Forensic, Physical and Cyber Audit. And what we mean by that is we want to audit the, the voting machines because they're all infected. There's not one in Wisconsin that's not infected to some degree. We want to do a kinematic processing of the ballots. So that would be the physical component of a full forensic, physical and cyber audit. The machines are the cyber. And then the last part is the canvassing where we have seen off the charts, unbelievable, hard to accept numbers where 10 people vote from the same address, 100 people vote from the same address. We're still putting that report together and that'll be another tsunami coming down the road. So that's the name of our loosely formed group. But we do have a website. It's www.stat, Sam, Tom, Apple, Tom, Stat, Bandit, B, Bill, A, Apple, N, Nancy, D, David, I, Indiana, T, Tom, Stat, Bandit, one word, dot com. And Kathy, your viewers can go to that website. They will see the map of Wisconsin. At the top, they can enter the county or the city that they want to check up on because we were able to merge the data from the state of Wisconsin Elections Commission, all 7.2 million names, excuse me, I think it was the 3.5 million voters and the 3 point million that they say voted, we can go by city, polling place, county, and show this 94% turnout, which is statistically and analytically impossible. Most elections for president in America average somewhere around 53, four, five, six, or 7%. Never, never, ever do they get to 94%. And yet, Kathy, that's what the election commission on their website, with their report, with their data, 
wants the citizens of Wisconsin to believe happened in November of 2020. It is the biggest con job put on any state anywhere in America for any election, and we're going to fix it. So the seven-point plan, uh, the evidence is that you got, were mm-hmm. you able to get any you know, venue to present, to be heard? And- That's a really good question, Kathy. Thank you. So what we're strategizing right now is this. Okay, legislature, if you will not listen to the people, understand, Kathy, we did a poll after the Justice Gableman's report of March 1st that showed widespread massive fraud. This is before we had the report yesterday, and it just got worse yesterday. Now the fraud's on steroids. And we did a poll, and we asked the Republican base here in Wisconsin, these are Republicans, 500 Republicans that reflects what Wisconsin's population looked like based on ethnicity, based on gender, based on age, based on geographics. 500 Republican base members said this to the Wisconsin legislature on these five or six takeaways. Should the legislature in Wisconsin, because it's been proven that this behavior affected the result of the 2020 November election, should the legislature address the $10.3 million that came in from Zuckerberg to make sure that never happens again. Kathy, the response was, yes, 83%. You fix that and you fix it now. Number two, should the legislature immediately address the ballot drop boxes and the ballot harvesting? 83% because it affected the outcome of the election. Number three, should the Zuckerberg people, Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, Josh Goldman, and that whole ilk, should they be allowed back into Wisconsin and run the local elections? 83%, no, never allow that to happen again to infect our election process here in Wisconsin. Number four, should there be this massive absentee ballot potential fraud allowed 81%, I think it was, nursing homes, should they be allowed to go in the nursing homes and potentially steal the 92,000 residents, their dignity, their dignity, their identity, and their vote. Should that ever be allowed to happen again, or should we go back to following the law with the special voting deputies? 86% said, you better fix it, and you better fix it now. Then the last two questions were, of the 500 people, should the legislature immediately call an extraordinary session to deal with all of these things? Because they haven't been dealt with, Kathy. 64% of the respondents said yes. You need to call an extraordinary session now and deal with this. And then the last question, the last takeaway was this. If the Republican legislature does not act on these things, are you more likely or less likely to support Republicans in 2022? Kathy, 36% of the people who responded said, we are less likely to support Republicans. Kathy, you impressed me as a really smart young lady. That is political suicide if you don't follow what those poll results are. So that's where we think we have the facts and the truth on our side, and we're plugged into the Republican base, not to make this political, but the Republicans are either going to get reelected and we're going to help them, or they're not going to get reelected and people are simply going to pull back with their support.
Uh, Jefferson, on this issue, you know, what would you like to tell, you know, people outside of, um, in other states, you know, with what you are, have been doing in Wisconsin? Sure. Well, there's no magic or mystery to what we're doing. It's just called good old-fashioned hard work and common sense. Everything that we're doing in Wisconsin can be modeled and duplicated in any state that wants to do this. Um, we have not had people reach out to us directly. We know they're watching because we follow social media, we follow websites, and people refer to Wisconsin, they're doing this, they're doing that. We should be doing this in our state. So what we say to the nation, if you truly value your election integrity, then you better get on board and fix it in your state because we believe so much of the same thing happened in your state. And let me conclude with this, Kathy. If you value your integrity, then be prepared to have it destroyed by people who have none. And that's what we're willing to do. If you want to destroy my integrity and you're prepared to take me out for political purposes, for people and personality people, people and personality purposes, go right ahead. Because you know what? I don't care if you take me out. If we can get election integrity back, that's all that matters. Wonderful. Thank you, Jefferson, for sharing all those information and uh, your thoughts on that. Thank you, Kathy. Okay. Wow. So, what do you Jefferson think? Davis. Yeah. The, again, uh, the organization loosely um, affiliated. It's called the Ad Hoc Committee Wisconsin Election Integrity Full Forensic Physical and the Cyber Audit. Their website is uh, statbandit.com. So. Wow, I only have one comment, okay. If this channel you're watching, okay, is the largest uh, media in, in the state of Wisconsin, what would happen just with this show like this? Next day, the entire Wisconsin will be talking about this and talking about what uh, Davis, you know, Jefferson said. Uh, Jefferson, Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis said. And what would be the result? You know, people, they can, they can vet him, they can vet his language, they can vet his point, vet his uh, data. And then the truth will come through, right? This is how relevant the media is. This is my just, uh, you know, yeah, so actually, one and a single one comment. Uh -huh. So actually, after last Friday's uh, inter uh, broadcasting, actually Jefferson watched uh, the interview last, uh, our show last Friday, and he texted me saying that we wish to have you as the media in Wisconsin. Not only so. just there, we need to be the largest media. I just checked what's the largest media in Wisconsin. It's called uh, Milwaukee's Journal Sentinel. Yeah, yeah I that's think you mentioned what, that. Yeah. Yeah, Jefferson But mentioned. they were working with, right. you know. So. Let's work together. You can, one way that you can help is just uh, supporting, supporting the channel like this and supporting Sound of Hope. And, uh, you know, we want to bring true story to every state. And uh, this is the fourth estate. This is the guardian of the freedom. And that's at least our, how to say, our battlefield. That's what it will be, you know, stand firmly on. And uh, yeah, with your support, I think we'll get there sooner or later. Yeah, so, you know, it's just uh, sad to see those media just like formulating one message, right? It reminds me of uh, what's happening in China. Right, so in China, it's it, the media works like this. In the, the Xinhua news agency, news agency, it's called so-called news agency, but you know, most it's just uh, run by the state, right, mm -hmm. by the party. So they will formulate everything, a press release, and or a news report. Then it will 
distribute to every, each and every media outlet around mm. the country. So what Jefferson described, and uh, you know, he sent me this email correspondence. The city communication director was working with, you know, among these five cities, okay, five cities, and saying that they are having the media, the journal Sentinel, reviewing their press release and will just, uh, once they publish it, then you can send it out. So it really, it's just so, you know, yeah, it's really sad to see, see that. Mm -hmm. Okay, actually I have three jokes today, but it's too late. Um, we'll reserve that for, for Wednesday, how about that? Do you? I, I think I, I don't want, I, I think we, we should leave the pro, end the program this way. Okay. That's, uh, it's, it's a great show, it's a great uh, interview. Um, yeah, Jefferson was uh, very clear in articulating his point and the fact, and uh, it, it's just something that is really worth sharing. Please, please share this show, okay, with your friends as much as possible. Get the truth, um, you know, spreading, and um, yeah, get the media service function. Yeah, and looks like uh, Wisconsin's gonna just have more coming, right? On the thirteenth yeah. uh, of April, they. The, they will just uh, work, uh, actually have a hearing, court hearing on permanently ban the Dropbox, mm -hmm. which, you know, if it, it succeeds, I think it will have a big impact on nationwide. All right, thank you very much for staying with us tonight, and um, I'll see you on Wednesday. All right, take Thanks care. Again. Take care, have a good night. Good night, bye-bye.